0: I am an exercise physiologist. I'm a nutrition professor and I've competed in bodybuilding before.
1: Hi, I'm Rob Fortress Fortney. I'm a journalist, um, strength athlete, competed both as a powerlifter and a bodybuilder, and uh, have worked for various magazines, among them Muscle Mag International.
2: And I'm Charles Staley. Uh, I'm creator of Escalating Density Training and author of Muscle Logic.
3: Uh, I'm Phil Stevens. I've competed in both powerlifting and strongman. Uh, Most recently, I'm a national record holder in the APA and the APF, um, Raw Division
1: 275-242. And today, we have as guest on the show, Pep Wall, who is the owner and proprietor of the famous, at least famous to people who who matter to us, um, (laughs) Bodybuilders Gym in uh, Akron, Ohio, which was ranked... Uh, by Universal Nutrition as in the top ten hardcore gyms in the USA. And actually in June, it's going to be celebrating its 30-year anniversary. And in that time, it was uh, it, it's only had one owner, and that's been Pep. And Pep is, um, he's a NABA chairman for the state of Ohio, is that correct? Yes, yes it is. Yeah, and he's... Um, got two daughters, his wife helps him with the gym, and um, Lonnie actually has been a member of the gym at times, and I, I, for two or three years, actually was a a member of the gym as well uh, when I lived in northeast Ohio, so uh, welcome to the show, Pep. Well, thanks. It's a great pleasure to uh, speak with all of you guys, and hey,
4: I'm happy to be here.
0: You know what, Rob? Uh, I should point out, I thought about it when we were doing the intros. I went to Pep's gym when it was time to compete. I mean, that's where you go to get serious, (laughs) So that's that's what I did. I I don't know if Pepper remembers, but uh, I do remember
4: I was... actually. And and fortunately, you know, I mean, uh, for you know for a lot of guys, that is you know that is uh, you know what quite a few of them have done over the years. I mean, uh, we we've, we've been fortunate to have a pretty good atmosphere, uh, have attracted a lot of the you know very good athletes from around, and you know that's sort of where we have our our niche. And that's not to say that we don't have you know just every day. People, uh, we certainly do, but the, it seems like the common thread for a lot of years has been that it's it's those people that are taken taking it seriously on whatever level it is that they yeah. are.
1: Well, well, certainly that gym caters to that. I mean, it's uh, it, it's men only, not, not that that is sexist in any way, but I mean, it's it's it, the environment is very, very, very hardcore, and it, it is very conducive towards people, I mean, strength athletes in general, but bodybuilders, powerlifters, what have you, kind of a. Uh, you know, get into a serious mind frame, you, you, you certainly don't walk into that place and, and have any kind of confusion as to what, you know, the, the priority is in that place.
0: You know what? In fact, one of uh, the guys I know at the university right now, Mike, Big Mike.
1: Big
4: Mike uh, blocker, sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, he trains there and uh, with a little bit of nutritional help and with uh, the right kind of training environment, he put on like 22 pounds last year and at age 19 won a state uh, strongman competition. So he's kind of one of my uh, bragging stories lately, but I can't take all the credit. All I did was give him the building blocks. He went to bodybuilders to put it to work, you know. Yeah,
4: but, you no, know, great. I mean, it is one of those places where we do have that atmosphere that, you know, I mean, there's always somebody, you know, maybe working a little bit be- harder, you know, beside you. Uh it's, uh, like I say, we've just been very fortunate, you know, in the people that we have attracted and how it's gone. And, and quite honestly, just to go back for a second, you know, with the the men-only thing, there has been always some confusion about that. And the fact really is, when we when we started in 1979, it's not that we tried to exclude women or, you know, it was anything sexist like that. But the fact is, in northeastern Ohio, uh, there, there were absolutely no women doing any kind of training, you know, at all, Zero. And, oh, I can and believe that, in yeah. fact, you know, I mean it was at the very beginning it on the West Coast and you know, we're at least three or four or five years behind them in, in that regard, you know. So it wasn't that we ever had anything against women, believe me. It's just that it never it was never even an option. We never even considered it because there there weren't any.
1: Right. Right. Um you've had some like like you were kind of alluding to earlier, I mean you you've had some impressive athletes come through that place and Two-stud I mean, probably. I don't know. Probably your biggest name that has come out there is Dave Jacoby.
4: Dave Jacoby, eight-time national champ, five-time uh, IPF world champ. Uh, just a, a very, very dominant, you know, force in powerlifting at 242. One of those guys that that pretty much found the, you know, the weight class that he that he fit best in and stayed there. I mean, he competed always in 242 for a you know for a lot of years. Another guy that we had to compete that that. Uh, trained here for quite a bit of time with the bodybuilder, Eddie Robinson. You know, he was actually from I, You the, know, I didn't,
1: even, I didn't even know that. I never yeah, knew that. Yeah,
4: yeah. Eddie was actually from this area and uh, had all moved to, I want to say, California for a bit, maybe Georgia, but then
1: came I back to... i think in Florida now.
4: Yeah, yep, but came back to the Akron area and uh, um, actually, you know, comp- or lifted here for probably you know, two or three years, I want to say. And that, but, that
1: that guy is kind of the epitome to me as as what a bodybuilder should be because he was not only huge, but I mean he could he could back it up with great numbers too. Oh,
4: exactly. Oh, well, he did. I want to say as as a pretty young guy, probably early twenties. I think he did five hundred for twelve in the bench.
1: No, sure. Well, numbers. he did a six. He did a oh six. God. He did a six ten on the bench at at nineteen.
4: Okay, that's exactly right. But this was this was for a uh, he did this 500 for 12 at a uh, oh it was like a benefit for I can't I I want to say something like muscular dystrophy or the diabetes association or something like that and it was basically one of those where uh, whatever you know however many reps he did at 500 somebody was going to donate up 100 bucks per rep or whatever so he put it on. And this
1: this was this was. 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, this is
4: at least fifteen years ago. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, that's so. This is before all the, uh, the you know the massive surge in, in technology with these ventures and stuff. Oh, this too.
4: is yeah. This is a this is basically a wife beater on and pair of trunks and laying down and just getting after it.
1: Yeah, which is that's that's incredible. What other kind of guys have you had come through there? You've had a lot of state guys come through there, and had a lot of body. you
4: know a lot of state guys, a lot of you know Olympic lifter, uh, you know state level guys. Buddy Rogers, who also was a uh, you know world champ and uh, Masters in powerlifting, in addition to being a you know a multiple state champ, uh, we had some other younger guys uh, as they came up through were Olympic, you know state Olympic champs. We you know had a quite a number of elite uh, lifters. Uh, from all the weight classes, Jim Finch, who was a, just one of the top 148-pounders uh, uh, back in the late, early, early 80s, I should say, uh, lifted here for a number of years, who told uh, oh, over 1600 at what, 148. Actually, lost wow. the nationals to Bob Wall by body weight one year. So in Dayton, so we've we've had you know we've had our share of some some pretty pretty good guys.
0: I would
1: urge everybody who's listening, who uh, who's in the in the area, um, to certainly visit Peps at some point. Bodybuilders Incorporated, it's it's, it's a great gym. What Pep do you think um, has been the the best aspect of of gym ownership in your gym in particular, all these years? What what have you enjoyed the most?
4: Well, I think you know it, it gives you. The Or gave me the opportunity to to meet so many people that I otherwise would not have met, and in addition not only uh, for me but those other people would not have met each other either, or that you know the odds are certainly much less reduced, but the fact is as you know i mean just just coming into the gym for. Uh, for you know, a couple of years there were there were people that you never would have met, you know, and we mm-hmm. have had guys that uh, because of that have been in each other's weddings. They've gone on vacations. They've become best friends. They've end up uh, doing business deals together, becoming partners. Uh, you you name it, and and it's that kind of stuff that really is uh, it's it's something that I really had no. Had no thought of when we when we really started the the business, but it was just one of those things where it's like,
2: man, this is really
4: a neat this is really a neat opportunity for everybody, and it's just right. I'm still after almost 30 years. I'm happy to get up every morning, happy to come in here, you know, glad to see. I mean, these guys are my friends, and and yeah. quite honestly, a lot of us have just sort of grown old or older together. I'm seeing their kids. I'm seeing in some cases their kids' kids a little bit, so right. it's a little bit scary with some of that oh, stuff, but it's just been a neat, neat, uh, just a whole uh, experience has just been
2: terrific.
0: And you know what? There's not many what I would consider Ma and Pa kind of gyms around. Everything's getting gobbled up by these giant chains and, you know, all the chrome and fluff and plastic nonsense, and there's just... Exactly right. It's <laughs> so refreshing that, you know, that there's still that bastion of iron... <laughs>
4: Well, I, you know, I tell, I, yeah, I, I tell a lot of people. I mean, we're just we're a dinosaur. I mean, we really are a dinosaur. It's uh, it's one of those things that you just don't expect. And and we have different people coming, and it's like, man, I uh-huh. can't believe this place. And it's not believe me, as as both of you guys know, it's not because you know we have carpeting and ferns hanging. I mean, it's quite the opposite. It's just it's it's no nonsense. It's getting after it. It's right there and. And it's and hopefully we have virtually everything that you need and it's within a few. Well,
1: feet. the cool thing that I always found about it was because it, it is kind of like you know the like kind of tough guy environment. But the fact remains is that you, you guys kind of foster such a kind of a brotherhood, kind of family atmosphere there. I mean, I mean you even have to look at you know your Christmas parties that are right. that are wonderful. You know, I mean, it's, right. it's it really is kind of a family type environment and you know people come there and they train hard and stuff. But there really is a much more kind of brotherhood kind of atmosphere than you would even yeah. find in finding, like. You know, and that, which kind of goes against type too. I guess a lot of people would think that places like that are kind of like, you know, cold and unfriendly. But it seems like you know people really, really are. Kind of, yeah, like people
4: really, really do care. And I mean, it's and that's one of the things that you know my my wife Angela really has has stressed. You know, it's hey these guys, you know, these are are our, our, our guys. You know, this is our our extended family. We want to know. How was your day when you walked through the gym door? We want to know you know how's the job going how's that you know how's your girlfriend how's your wife how are your kids and and we want to be able to ask you by name how that stuff is and remember what's going on and and I think right. because of that it it all starts I really think from from the top down and if we didn't care or if we gave the impression that we didn't care, then I don't think anybody else would care but since it since we do care, I think it it puts everybody else sort of on that same. Offensive, you know. They want to know how their buddies are doing. They want to know how. I mean, it's not only about the lifting, but it's how come you didn't make that lift, or why didn't you? Is there something else that's going on? You know.
1: Yeah. Now, if if people are interested in, in finding your place, you have, of course, a website. So, what what is that website? You can tell our listeners that they. Can...
4: Yep. The website is uh, www.thebodybuildersgym.com dot Com. All one word. Okay. uh uh, we have uh, anybody
3: listening right now as well i put the link up on the show so they can just click the button and go there as well
0: oh great you know it's cool the the website actually follows a lot of what pep's going on there i mean you get the feel for that because there's there's contest photos uh just you know pictures uh, there's uh, of the equipment of the interior of the gym you really get a feel for what goes on there a little bit i've always looked at bodybuilders in a way like a This sounds kind of cheesy, but sort of a weight club, you know, a power club or something because there is that kind of connection there. And and this website does not look like a corporate giant, you know, come here to hang out instead of going to the nightclubs kind of thing. Uh, There is a sense of, uh, you know, there's order uh, application forms for for different contests. Here's the May 2009 uh, Canton Bodybuilding Championships I'm looking at. And there's photos from these events and stuff like that. So it's, uh, this is cool. Actually, Pep, I hadn't been to this site. This is very, oh, pr- really? very cool. Like-
4: uh, exactly what you're saying is, is sort of how it, how it went. I mean, the, the guy that, that uh, designed the website actually, as you could imagine now, having been here and then having seen the pictures, I mean, the guy was, still is a member here. Uh, Chet Rogers, and uh, you know, oh, I know who that is. Yeah, and he, you know, he 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 came and um, he was in that business, and you know, I I try and do business with people that do business with me, and and I think he really, I think it was easier for him to get a feel for the place because he knows the place. But uh, it is, you know, it is one of those I think you know websites that really does give you a pretty good feel for what it is you're getting. You know, you, yeah, I right. I really think it does.
1: Well, again, that that place—I I certainly have no qualm with Universal's ranking of, of bodybuilders as one of the top ten uh, hardcore gyms in the USA. I mean, it's it's, it's it's if it's a dinosaur, then then I love that dinosaur. It's, it's a great gym. But
4: I, anyway, I really appreciate the compliments, you guys. I really um, do.
2: You know, no speaking of of, of of dinosaurs, what is it, Mike? What is it about Ohio that seems to uh, you know foster all these hardcore gyms between? Pep's plays, and you know, obviously, you think about West Side, and uh, sure, man, Pep, you might know. I think he who is who is uh, the power lifter from like back in the 70s and 80s? Uh, gosh, in Cleveland, big name. I don't know if it's in Cleveland or Ak- well, um, huge name, uh,
4: John Black. Oh, well,
2: but what's that,
4: John Black?
2: Well, you know, there's another one, there's so or Larry Pacifico, one. yeah, that's the one. I, Larry I actually
4: go from Dayton. Right.
2: Okay. What is it about Ohio?
4: Yeah, what is I, I don't know. I mean I think it's it's for whatever reason we we have a we have a tremendous pool of athletes in general, you know, and I think part of it may stem from the fact that we also have such a you know uh, a good football draw, you know. I mean we have
1: That's tremendous
4: true. football athletes and I think those athletes lend themselves uh, very well to to powerlifting and bodybuilding, and and um, maybe it's because of the fact that there were so many terrific uh, powerlifter or football you know football players in, in the area. I mean, I can honestly you know, I can remember now when Chris Spielman uh, came in here for a summer uh, with Steve Studer, who's um, now deceased, but was the strength coach at Massillon. and was just a a great guy, you know. So there were just all those different kinds of guys that we've just had for for. A number of years, and I think it, because of that, it just sort of, there was a need for, you know, our kind of place.
0: You know what? I think that Ohio, I mean, even wrestlers, it, we're a hardcore wrestling state. Right. I, I think it's got something to do with, like, the industrial environment here. I mean, Akron, Ohio, is kind of that, oh, yeah. you know, the rubber town, Goodyear, industrial kind of stuff. We have lousy weather. I don't know, maybe guys are pissed off. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. no, no, it's, bro. it's true. The whole environment kind of fosters that because uh, it is kind of a blue-collar kind of work ethic kind of thing. Right. So it right. kind of lends itself to people kind of, you know, being like that. It's yeah, a no,
4: no frills kind of, let's get with it, you know.
1: Yeah. So anyway, with uh, the, that, we should probably move into the topic of the day. Okay. So
3: uh, I, I was going to ask first if Pep, um, it seems there's a resurgence now. Kind of towards your type of facility, uh, people are starting to move away from the commercial type of gym a bit, and either start up small club gyms or seem to search out
4: places like yours. Have you guys noticed that an influx? Well, I think I, I think you're you know I think you're exactly right. I think people, um, while there is you know a lot to you know, the glitz and a lot of that stuff. There's also uh simply because there's glitz and there's ferns and there's carpeting and all that kind of stuff does not mean that, um, you know, it's it's going to be a place where you can really get a good workout in. And I think people are are coming back to some basics a little bit or or at least somewhere where they can get focused. I mean, a lot of those places are just such sensory overload. You know, I mean, there's just so much going on. And, and part of it is I think that... A lot of the big you know the big box chains are just trying to be everything to everybody and the and the fact is we all know i mean you can't you can't be everything to everybody i mean truthfully, when we started uh, and and still to this day I mean Rob and Lonnie both know this i mean there's a separate room for power lifters i mean not mm-hmm. because of uh anything other than they just do different stuff and they approach things differently and it just works much, much better. Um and, and when we when you talk about something that's as small of a of a niche as we are, bodybuilding and powerlifting, and everybody would think, Oh man, those guys can just you know, they're all doing the same thing, they're all lifting weights, they can all do it. Well it, it's they're all lifting weights, but they're not all lifting them the same and they all have, and they do have different goals and they do have different approaches and different regimens on how it is they they lift, and uh, so if if we have to split it up, I, I can't imagine what it's got to be like if you're you know bringing a, a soccer mom in, a high school you know a high school teacher, a uh, you know a, a student, then a uh, a business person, then somebody's coming in f- with uh, their child for daycare and and all of that. I mean, it's Im- it's impossible. Yeah,
0: I look at that the exactly the same way. I think things are coming full circle in the industry where people are. They're looking for that niche market, you know, a specialty, special attention kind of place instead of these – for for so long, these giant gyms, even places like Gold's and World, you know, they just all – they're so massive with the chains and the kinds of variety of people who would go in there. And I – like anything, like with specialty coffee shops or anything else, you know, sometimes you want to go to the specialty shop and, and do it right.
1: Well, you know, the funny thing is the Gold's Gym – uh, franchises, at least up here, apparently no longer uh, permit anything over 180 pound dumbbells. And apparently, the Gold's Gym at Venice—I don't know if it's true or not—but I heard that they banned deadlifts. Wow! So, so, yeah, nothing, I mean,
4: nothing would surprise me. And the fact is, you know, I mean, all both of you know, World's and Gym Powerhouse, all of them have, have honestly gotten away from where it is they started. I mean, we all know that.
0: Yeah, core values. Yeah.
4: Well, I think as well, you hit upon it. You know, you say your
3: your group is a family and. I think real lifters, they they look for that. Sure, they you do. You you don't want the solitary environment of the the chain gym where you know, nobody even talks to each other, let alone looks at each other, or it's just right. a social event. You know? So
2: that's such a good point, and you know, it, it struck me together, the last time you know. I was at a powerlifting meet. And uh, for those who don't know, I I uh, I'm actually a competitive weightlifter, so I'm in a slightly different genre, but. Weightlifting and powerlifting, uh, and I've not done personally a lot of bodybuilding meets, but I'm sure it's the same thing. One of the few places where I feel like I could just like leave my wallet, you know, <laughs> in a backpack on the floor for a while or something. You know, it's one no, of the few right. places where you don't feel like kind of threatened.
4: Right. Right. No, yeah, right. That's that's exactly right. And that's you know not to say that everybody's 100 percent honest, but the but the fact is, I mean, there is an honor among among all of those athletes, and I think it's it's because of the fact that. Truly, they all each of them knows what it takes to get to you know to get to that point, to get onto the platform, to get onto the stage, to be ready to do those kinds of things. There's a tremendous amount of time. There's a tremendous amount of sacrifice, and I think there's a because of that, there's a you know there's a quite a great deal of respect that is deserved on on all ends. You know, I mean, there's no doubt right. about that. Right.
0: Well, just to wrap that up a little bit, let me just rephrase one more time. Uh, it's www.thebodybuildersgym.com. You want to see what a hardcore place looks like, where if you sit around on the uh, you know, the leg press machine and chat with someone, you're going to get smacked off. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but if you want to get an idea for it, then go check out that website, because it's, uh, it really gives you a good feel for it. Thanks.
1: All right, so let's get to the topic of the day, which is um, the body's finite ability to uh, recuperate from weight training exercise. Do we have the uh, the music today, Phil, or no? I don't think we
3: got it, sir.
0: All right. I will. I'll figure it out before I get it online. You know what I'd like to do, Rob, uh, is one of the things I want to do is th- my dissertation covered this whole recovery thing, and I just want to set the stage with a little bit here. Uh, one of the things that I started thinking about with the whole recovery thing was that Recover, just if you look at Webster's Dictionary, it, it means to get back health. Well, if you're getting something back, that means you lost something in the beginning. So I think we need to ask ourselves, what happens during intense bodybuilding training? And there's a couple of things that jump to mind. One is uh, there's sort of a local micro-injury. You know, under a microscope, those muscle cells actually get scrambled. Another thing is is the systemic stress. You get cortisol release and stress hormones. Uh, and then the third thing really is depletion Uh, you can find research that even just uh, a fairly small amount uh, it's multiple sets of 6 to 12 reps over 30 minutes you can go find research that you'll get about 30% of your muscle's carbohydrate stores, your glycogen stores depleted and an equal amount of your muscle lipid stores, you know the little fat droplets in your muscles getting depleted. I mean, literally, that's just multiple sets over a half an hour. Um, that's a 1990 paper I'm thinking about there, Essen Gustavsson. But anyway, so there's depletion as well. And those are all the kinds of things that we need to address when, when it comes to recovery and things like that. When you don't take care of workout timing windows and things like that, whether it's hydration or carbs or protein or whatever, getting enough food in general then things start to fall apart over time. And if you look at research on staleness and overtraining and stuff like that, you're going to see a lot of these researchers saying, listen, we need to monitor uh, different things. You know, it may be muscle soreness. It may be that you're getting weaker in subsequent sessions. You know, you're losing your motivation to train. Uh, You can even rank motivation in your own workout log if you want, like on a 10 scale or something, you know. And if you see your motivation falling maybe you're overdoing it. I mean, there's lots of things that go into that. But there are so many things from soreness to motivation, sleep loss, loss of appetite, that could indicate that you're, you know, overdoing it. So if you're literally training the same muscle group to this point that it's intensely sore, and then you're back at it the next day or the day after, that might be too soon. Now, people have different opinions on how they lift, right? I mean, if you're not rocked with soreness, then you may not have to wait three or four or five days. And it goes back to sort of what Pep was saying about how bodybuilders might train a little differently than than powerlifters. And it's like one of those recent shows we did where some people are t- training to get strong in order to get big, but then there are people who go right for the big. And that's kind of the way I did it, actually. I mean, I got fairly strong, uh, partly because of the fact that I was lifting in Pep's back room with Fortress, but uh, more than that, you know, you... There are this kind of uh, athlete that does a lot of negatives, gets really sore on purpose, and sometimes that takes a little bit more time to recover.
1: Well, would everybody agree with this, with with my belief that an overriding majority of people, who, certainly young males who engage in weight training of some degree, are probably overtrained pretty rapidly from the point they first join a gym?
4: Absolutely. I, I think most oh, yeah. most
1: I think most young men probably are. are Train perpetually in the state of being overtra-
0: overtraining. You know what, Fortress, I've got some numbers on that, actually. Uh, here's a quote. 37% of young athletes experience staleness. That's a paper by Ken Ta in 2001. And that overtraining and or staleness has been reported more for individual sports than for team sports. So individual sports, like bodybuilding or powerlifting, the incidence of this staleness and under-recovery can actually be as high as 48%. So that really backs up what you're saying. And
4: like, yeah, I think that that number's light. I think. Thank you. It's you. Because, I was just about to say the exact same thing. Who, who are you getting the information from? You're getting the information from the guy that's, you know, that's actually overtrained. And the fact is that most of these guys are not going to. They're not. They don't have the capacity to admit that they're doing something wrong. You know, and you've seen it, you know, hundreds of times in the gym. The fact is. Uh, when somebody misses the lift, or when somebody gets that, you know, is that sore, this or that? It's well, I, I, I'm not focused. I got to get more focused. I got to train harder. I got to do more. You know, it's it's not it's not ever. Hey, you know, settle down a little bit and back it down. No, it's I'm going to do more because I, you know, that's what I got to do.
0: That's exactly. You know, I have a strength coach buddy who is at the university. Um, and his name's Ray Eady. He's uh, up in Wisconsin now, but. He and I used to talk about that all the time. What does a coach do when someone underperforms? Oh, you're out of condition, boy. You better get after it. You know, you're going to go do more work, more sets, more sprints after your weight work, whatever it is, instead of having that little light bulb come on and say, wait. Or he's under-recovered. He's underfed. You know, he's not sandbagging it. He's destroyed. So
2: that's a great yeah. point. And you know what? Uh, Phil and I were having this discussion a while ago, and and one of the biggest uh, myths when it comes to practical decision-making in the gym, uh, and particularly if you're more kind of on the novice end, th- that you t- tend to suffer from this misconception. But, you know, I'll have distance clients who will say, well, I couldn't get all the numbers that, uh, you know, that, that you wanted me to get, so, you know, meaning I couldn't hit the weights that you prescribed, so should I just do more sets to make up for it? That's what most people tend to think, and, and the, the, the key thing that people are missing is that if your performance is suffering, it's, it's because you're not recovered, and, and that would warrant a reduction in training to, to help facilitate recovery. But yet, most people assume it's the opposite—that you should just get after it harder.
4: Yeah. So no, just to just to add something onto that, I think really what it amounts to is it's it's a. It's how the philosophy has been presented to, you know, to pr- pretty much everybody. And if, and if you look back, basically how the training was was implemented and how, how you did it was you did the most to get the most. And, and what I really am getting at, in order to, to really get the most out, you want to do the least amount of exercise that you can do to get the most out of it. You don't right. want to do the most, or you don't want to do you know almost too much, so that to get the most, you want to do the least amount that you can get and still have your performance increase. That way, absolutely. You, you know, that way, you don't overtrain, or at least you certainly run the run the risk of of uh, not overtraining much much more. You know, if you if you try and do the least amount that that you you know that you can do, and I'd even take it one step farther, particularly with the with the elite athlete. I, I'm convinced that. For, and uh, I think it's, the numbers are easier to pick with the elite athletes simply because you, you have a better uh, base on what, to, uh, what what their lifts are. But there's a threshold that once, when you cr- cross over that threshold, you know, for, for a power lifter, let's say, that maybe squats 700, once you, once you cross over the 500-pound uh, rep, then you have a finite number of reps left. That's, that that need to take you all the way through your third attempt at the meet, and once you cross over that that amount you're done you know whether right. it's your last whether it's your last training session, whether it's two training sessions before the meet or whether it's at the training session or at the meet rather that's which is when you hopefully you know you then that would be the peak uh, that's when you hope that would happen but i I'm firmly convinced that there is a there is a threshold that you know there's a finite number that once you cross over it you know you better be, you better have your numbers right or you, you know you're going to you're going to be in for a tough meet
0: sometimes runners will talk about junk miles you know basically just running beyond what's helping them and i think it's very true with a lot of these guys in bodybuilding it's probably even more true i can totally see your point with like uh strict power work or even the uh olympic lifts like charles does is there could just like there are junk miles why can't there be junk reps you know yeah, I, I've made right.
2: my whole brand on that on that concept. By the way, <laughs> great! I'm glad to
4: hear somebody else, you know, talking like that because it's something that I've, you know, I've just seen, you know, in the gym, and it's uh, it's just one of those things that it's like, man, you know, you can just tell. I mean, you can see it in somebody's face. You can see it in how it is they lift. I mean, they're when they're over the hump, they're over the hump, and it's just going mm-hmm. the wrong way. No matter how hard you know they try or how how much they want to be focused. Um, when you're done, you're done.
1: And you know this is line I talk about this next point a lot, and that is that you know that that gap between uh, you know people always say, well, you know, uh, to a guy, I know this who squats one eighty five. You know that's that's the same stress as you know to an elite guy who squats six seven hundred pounds. You know, it, but it's not. It's not. I mean that 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 gap is it doesn't matter. I mean one eighty five is one eighty five, six seven hundred pounds, six seven hundred pounds, and and that gap gets bigger and bigger. And just because you develop the strength to be able to move it doesn't mean that that increase in weight is not exponentially getting more and more just devastating on your system, no matter how strong you are.
0: Right. So even though both might be 85 or 90 percent of the one rep max, it's a far cry different for the advanced athlete.
1: Right. right. and This kind of goes with what Pep is saying. I mean, if you're if you're saying okay, here's this guy who's you know. a Basically, a beginner in powerlifting, is competing for the first time or whatever, and he's going to be you know working up in this session up to you know seventy-five, eighty percent, whatever. Um, you know, I mean that, that that's one thing for him to do a double or a triple at that at that whatever that weight is. But I mean, then you get some guy who squats you know six, seven, eight hundred pounds, and he's doing the same percentage point. I mean, it's it's just a, a different kettle you know kettle going right there. I mean, it's it's just so much different and and kind of what further to what pep's saying about you know how many reps you have after a certain point yeah you kind of got that real real shallow pot that you're you're drawing from and i mean if you and if you go just a little step too far i mean you know so for so, for, so for the for the athlete who's that much more advanced and that much more elite it just gets more and more and more important for that guy to be aware of just how much he's got available to him Right. And you just that I mean, and you're getting to the point where one guy just kind of has you know a failure of performance, and the next guy's failure of performance is you know you know he's he's in a wheelchair, right? You know, and that could be the reality of it. So you right. know,
4: but it takes you know it takes such a strong mind for somebody like with with Dave, for instance, Dave Jacoby. That is what we found after after a number of of years. The last the last real deadlift was about 24 days out. Wow, it's pretty tough. It's pretty tough to tell, you know. Certainly, uh, an upcoming bodybuilder or upcoming power lifter, rather, that you're going to take your last deadlift almost a, almost a month before the meet. They're right. not going. You know, I mean, initially, they, they're not going to do it. You know, they they need to sort of kind of get that sorted out for themselves by some trial and error. But it's it is amazing, to your point, Lonnie, at how much how much rest and recovery. D- they really need and it and it does become exponential as those numbers get larger and as you get closer to that that max effort and weight of, of the individual
0: and I should point out too that as a scientist who looks at this kind of stuff there is nothing and Rob and I have done some similar talks on the experiments versus experience uh, audio shows that are also on the Iron Radio uh, website but there's no one thing that I can measure and say. Look, this guy is overtrained. You know, that's the kind of stuff where the art of coaching becomes essential because a lot of this stuff is psychological or it's nuances of recovery of the nervous system. And I can't just do a blood draw on somebody in the lab and say, look, he's got the overtraining protein or something like that. You know what I mean?
1: Sure. Yeah. That kind of takes us to the next point. Like, I mean, I and I've been kind of trumping this for the last several years. Western kind of training methodology when it comes to weight training has been so focused on hypertrophy, muscle growth, that I think it's completely, and, and I, I mentioned something about this a few shows ago, um, people always focus on, oh, well, muscle soreness, muscle soreness. And I mean, that, that, that just becomes the mantra that everybody talks about, well, you know, 48, 72 hours, bullshit, My, you know, I can go train again, my muscles aren't sore anymore, but nobody seems to, well, not not no one, but a lot of people don't seem to focus on, the nervous system, I mean, what you do to it. You know, people just think, well, okay, my muscles aren't sore anymore, so I'm good to go. But, I mean, if you're into really heavy training, I mean, specifically power training, um, you're doing a lot of, you know, a lot of abuse on your nervous system. And, I mean, you, may, everything might feel good to go muscularly, but, I mean, your nervous system might still be fried.
0: And, you know, your immune system isn't reset by even five days uh, either. I mean, if you get to the point where you trained, we've all had our legs so sore you limped around the next day, you know, from uh, just lots of sets of heavy work or negatives or whatever. When you get to that point, a lot of people don't realize they think their immune system just fights off colds. That's not true. It's part of muscle remodeling. And you have not reset some of those things even four or five days later. I mean, completely. So whether it's nervous system, immune system, stuff like that, um, you have to really be able to get the feel for, okay, I'm rocked, you know, I'm ruined. How do I listen to my body? And if I can't, can I seek expert advice to help ascertain where I'm at here? You know, because I'm not saying be a wuss, but I am saying that there are these systems in place, and the nervous system is probably even more important, but I mean, the immune system is a big one too. These things are all over the place with the kind of stress that most human beings, frankly, never endure.
3: Sure. Sure. Right. I mean, I, mean, I think, I just. I agree 100%. I think the hardest thing as a power athlete is, as a younger training age, you can do a little more. And because, like you guys were saying, it's it's apples and oranges when somebody's deadlifting 300 pounds compared to somebody deadlifting 700. You know, maybe you can deadlift once, twice a week. But as that, that threshold goes up, yeah, you're hitting the same percentages, but, you know, you go into a meet and you don't feel right for a week or two after, on the nervous system level, and it's it's getting to the point where you're, you're able to be honest with yourself and not think, hey, you know, quit being a wuss. Get in the gym and do it again. You know, you used to deadlift twice a week. You know, it's, it's apples and oranges. You got to become mature enough in your mind as you get stronger to to know that less is more. And you continually you get as you get stronger, you know. You strike when the iron's hot, and that iron doesn't get hot that often.
0: Yeah, I think maturity is the the key word there, or experience in training or something like that, or your advanced status, because you really have to make a decision. I think any uh, competitive resistance athlete, weight athlete's going to have to do this, is when do I engage discipline, right? Basically overcoming an urge that, oh, it's just not convenient to do, so I'm going to blow it off when do you engage discipline versus when you have to think a little bit smarter and, you know, be honest with yourself that I'm ruined, I need another day, and I'm going to eat, and I'm going to be smart about it and work smart and not just hard.
1: Right, right. You know, I want to add something here. One of the reasons I have have Pep on here talking about this is because coming from the background I do, I I mean, I know, you know, personally know a lot of elite bodybuilders and so forth, and I was thinking, but is it really fair to get a lot of these guys on here and talk about this because they're coming from a different standpoint of the average person in that I don't want to get into it too much but I mean they're obviously using certain supplements that are vastly changing their you know their reality as far as the recuperation and so forth wink so wink you know and I want to talk a little bit more about the fact that I think, I think it's never helped along by, and I, I hate to say this because it's kind of like where I come from, but, you know, the, the muscle magazines and so forth probably don't help at all, at all. In fact, they do a lot more damage than good with this because, you know, they present these workouts from these quote-unquote stars. And, and the, again, these guys, their reality is entirely different than the average guy at home, that, you know, 17-, 18-year-old kid at home that's sitting at home reading this stuff, saying, oh, well, you know, Pro X here trains five, six days a week you know and works out for 2 hours at a time and does, you know, 20 25 work sets per workout for this that and everything else and separates everything and it's just like it, but but the it's fact, never you know,
4: the, it, the, sorry, you know the fact that goes along with that rob is you know do you do you even think that those guys are going to tell you exactly what they're what they're doing anyhow number 1 or are yeah. they telling you what they're doing now after they have all of that mats you know or are at this point in their career um it, it's Personally, I don't. I, I don't think that um, whether it's powerlifting or weightlifting or bodybuilding, that the, the top guys are going to give you exactly what they're doing. Now they may give you some of it, and they may give you part of it, but they're not giving you all of it. And I, if, if you're on that level and you're worried about somebody else that's coming up through the ranks, you're not going to give it to them. I mean, we were. We were requested by Powerlifting USA. You know, when they interviewed, uh, we did some stuff with Dave for, you know, what was his workout regimen. You know, I gave him the workout regimen. Did I give him exactly what it was he did? No. I mean, I gave him a lot of it, but but did I give it all to him? And I told Mike Lambert, hey, if you want it after he's retired, I'll tell you everything. But I'm not going to give all of it to you right now.
1: But do you not think that has more weight with the powerlifters and bodybuilders? Because powerlifters, the the training is a little bit less kind of ambiguous and all the kind of scattershot. Bodybuilders tend I mean, by the nature of bodybuilding, it is a lot of pump-up pump, pump up type stuff. and it It's a little bit less science, scientific, if you can use that word. So, I mean, you know, I mean, I can tell you from the bodybuilding magazines, I, I can tell you because I did this. I mean, most of those things are either written one, one of two or three ways. Um, the journalist goes and just watches what the guy is doing on any given day and then just kind of reports on it. Right. Or, you know, the bodybuilder in question just sends in some workout that, you know, he has in his log from, like, two years ago and say, okay, here, here, this is what I do. But the, the, the stuff changes all the time. But, you know, when it comes to bodybuilding, I mean, the fact remains that it's like what Sean Ray once said to some kid at a seminar I was that. He was like, you know, what do you do for your biceps? And Sean Ray's response was, I do the exact same thing you do. Right. <clears throat> Which is absolutely right. true. It's, it's just the volume that they do. And it, and I'm I'm thoroughly convinced that for different reasons, but, um, volume kills, and I, you know, the, the the mainstream comments, you know, speed kills. But I always use the I always use the one volume kills. Sure. Volume kills the bodybuilder because it puts them in a completely overtrained state very rapidly, and it kills the powerlifter because it just, you know, repetitive strain and stuff. It just starts creating all sorts of joint problems. I think just volume in general kills. But when these guys read this stuff in the magazine and they see this stuff, and it's some thirty year old pro that's all manner of hormones and drugs and chemicals, and it completely skews their perception of what is required to actually get somewhere
0: then you get that seventeen year old guy he rushes to the gym and he does twenty two sets of concentration curls or something nonsense you know because he read it in the pages of the magazine right right well, 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 and already their to... their
4: their perception is skewed by the very fact that they think that they can achieve the 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 same you know status and stature that some of these uh bodybuilders and powerlifters are I mean the fact is those guys are the best and the reason why they're in the magazines and and they are being interviewed is because they are the best and mm-hmm. it's just a uh, you know there's a there's a huge gap I mean it's it's like we were talking about the the squat in the 185 and squatting the 600 there's a you know there's a reason why you know the guy does squats 185 and the guy squats 600 I mean and the bottom line through pretty much all of it is this guy's he's bigger and stronger than than you are at that point and may always be.
0: It's true. There's that myth that well if I just train harder or longer, I can you know, I don't want to cheat, I want to do it right and I'll look like the guy on the cover of the magazine. I used to look at pictures of Rich Gaspari and think I could actually be that, right? <laughs> sure. And and I don't want to sound defeatist, but that's where you have to have a certain dose of reality, whether it's from the right coach, or the help of a you know a knowledgeable like sports nutrition person, or or a healthcare worker, somebody giving you this straight talk about listen, no, it's not a natural state of being to be ripped to shreds at two percent fat at two forty, you know that's not the kind of thing that you can just work harder and longer and and have it bestowed upon you.
3: Right. All right. Um, well, I, I think another thing. thing to be said too is. Uh... You know, beginners look at, say, an advanced power athlete's workout and they say, well, you know, he says he works out two hours. You know, yeah, say I'm working, I'm, I may go in and just deadlift, and that might take me two hours. But it's not that many sets, and it's just because it takes me a long time to get up to that work set. It doesn't mean that they, I mean, if, if the, the beginner's going up to 225, they don't need to spend two hours in there. Well, that's is, true. I too, you have yeah, to get done and get out. You right. know, right? I mean, exactly. if I could do it in half an hour, I'd do it. You know, but exactly. well, yeah. What sometimes
1: it? it'll take you for like. Sometimes it takes me twenty minutes, half an hour to kind of get my squat form and the way I want it before I even start the workout. Right. You know, yeah. because you got to loosen out. You kind of you know around a bit set up your well yeah you got to life. take
4: more inventory you know I mean when you're when you're lifting you know what is a very heavy weight you need to make sure everything's right so consequently I mean you, you have to you're gonna check everything out hey are my knees warmed up how's my back feeling you know how are my hips you know can I get my arms back behind the you know behind the bar to you know to squat all of those things
0: that's a great analogy when you've got a bigger warehouse you got to take more inventory <laughs> Exactly, it's the, it's the truth.
4: I mean, it. It you know, it really is the truth, and it's uh, not to uh, you know not to to minimize what someone else is doing, but you know, for the for that competitive athlete, and as those uh, athletes become more elite, it becomes you know it does become more important. It, be, it does become more critical because usually they're on some sort of a time frame, and you don't have time for an injury or even just a a minor tweak. You know, I mean, if you if you pinch your if you pinch your hamstring on a deadlift or something and you know you've got a deadlift again in a in a week and a half you're worried
1: yeah no it's true and uh, I mean so yeah I mean the actual lifting time for some of these elite athletes lift you know my the actual time they're actually li- under a bar or lifting something might be 15 minutes maybe tops but they might be in the gym 2 hours right mm-hmm. and that and that encompasses the warm up the preparing of all the equipment you know setting up the uprights whatever it is you know Stretching things out for fifteen twenty minutes, till you're comfortable with your form. Uh, you know, taking that extra minute or two between sets. Um, if we were using lifting equipment, I mean, all sorts of things.
0: You know what? Let's let's wrap this discussion up with a couple of things, just like that, Rob. I'm I'm going to throw out a couple of things, and we'll just keep adding to it. Anybody who can think of something, but here are some things that young guys who listen to this they can do to try to make sure they're not overdoing it. Again, there's not any one thing that you can do either in a lab or in the gym to say, hey, I'm overdoing it, but here are some things you can think about. I'm just going to throw out a couple from the literature, and then you guys give me some more experiential stuff. One is you can start to keep track of your perceived exertion for each workout. Now, I do that on a 20 scale, but you could do it on a 1 to 10 scale, but basically keep track. I make a little note at the bottom of my workout log after each workout. God, that was a 19 out of 20. You know, but that's not volume. I also write down how long it took. So I do how intense it is as far as how I perceived it that day, and then also how long. But you can even do stuff in your workout log, like do a little 1 to 10 scale with what your mood is like, or your motivation to lift, or one of the markers of overtraining is sleep disturbances. So, how satisfied were you with your sleep the night before? If it's an 8 or a 9, great. But if you see consistently that it's a 4, then you might be overdoing something. And the same could be said with a 1 to 10 scale for appetite. So there's all these different things that are kind of emotional, psychological, that you can, in fact, um, do, in addition to just things like your weight's going down, right?
1: I think I think just, um, you know, I know guys are really usually very attuned to their emotions, but I think if, if you hope to kind of be, um, you know, a... Uh, uh, Respectable strength or muscle athlete, I think you have to. A, a guy has to be a little bit more in tune with their emotions because I think it's a strong indicator um, how you emotionally can handle things. I think when people are overtrained, I see it all the time, and I certainly know it for myself. You, you emotionally don't seem to be able to handle things nearly as well. I think that's a great indicator right there.
0: You know, I would literally, and I have been doing it lately. I need to get back to it, but I would sit in my car after working out. And just kind of calmly fill out my workout log and try to purposely cool my jets a little, you know. It doesn't help anybody to get their adrenaline level screaming, and then they run off to pay a bill and then go argue with their girlfriend. And then, oh, my God, I ha- I forgot to mail this letter. And they drag that adrenaline throughout the rest of their day, and they never actually cool their jets and kind of set the stage to recover. And I'd be remiss as a sports nutritionist if I didn't say that's the time to eat too, right? I mean, get your protein and carbs in you as soon as you can after you lift, Doses are a little different, but generally research is saying it, you know, 20 grams or so of a good fast acting whey protein, maybe twice that much carbohydrate. Research also shows that if you eat some fat at the same time, it doesn't really interfere with the process. So eating and cooling your jets afterwards, so you can set the stage and Go into battle again tomorrow, right?
4: Exactly. I really think that that log aspect of it is is really critical, Lonnie. I mean, from this standpoint, not only of, of charting what it is you do, so that you actually have a record, you can go back six months, a year, two months, you know, whatever it is, so that you can see what's going on, also how it is you felt while you know while you were going through those workouts. Um, and then I, I still I really think what we you know touched c- quite a great deal on that. Uh, for the For the beginner type guy and and actually not the beginner, for everyone you you really want to try and get the 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 most out of your workout for the least for the least amount that you can do and it it just is so uh contrary to what we really think of you know and and how it is you know we think of success and all of that you know it almost sounds like you're trying to be lazy no you're not trying to be lazy what you're trying to do is to be as efficient as you possibly can and to be aware of that. And again, I think that being aware of it is coupled so well with the, you know, with the fact that you are trying to get the least for the most, so that when you feel like you are going over that threshold, that you back it down and you're honest with yourself. You really, do. Really, I'll really add, need I'll to be add what Pep yourself. just
2: said, and this will be my little pearl for the uh, topic here today, which is that you know every rep has a cost, but not every rep has a benefit.
4: Oh boy, very good. That's beautiful that's beautiful that's it I mean, that's that's beautiful i just add that I think
3: people just need to realize I mean I say it time and time again that you know growth recovery and progress they happen out of the gym not in it you know the gym is just damage it's, it's you're not growing in there you're you're doing damage to create growth that happens when you're out of there so get in and get out
0: fuel and building blocks yep follow it up
1: yep well, okay. Good discussion. For, yeah, very good session. I'd like to thank uh, Pep Wall for uh, joining us today of Bodybuilders Gym in Akron. And again, I'll just say that anybody who's in the Northeast Ohio area definitely owes it to themselves to check that place out because it rocks, definitely.
0: Or even the Midwest. Yeah, make a, make a road trip.
1: <laughs> thanks. Thanks a lot, Pep. Hey, listen, thanks you guys. Anytime.
4: I uh, it was a it was a lot of fun. Great deal. I've, I learned a, learned a lot too. So I mean, it was a it was a great great afternoon. Okay, thank great. you, thank you,
2: Beth. Awesome.
4: Thank you, guys. All right. Well, uh, thanks, thanks
3: everybody thanks. for uh, joining us. Um, I was just going to say as well that uh, we did have a question from Mike in Akron, but I think we answered it. So if then, if not, you can stop by the forum and and ask that away. If, if we didn't uh, cover your your question sufficiently.
2: So uh,
0: thanks. Great. You, all right. Thanks. Beb. All right, guys. Talk to, you. Talk to you later.
2: The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on IronRadio.org. If a a diet or an exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of regular dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists to support.